This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got a, uh, well, not a classmate, but a, a college guy. We didn't know each other in college, but we both graduated the way, Dave, I like to say it is the Eastern Illinois University. <laughs> I've got Dave Mitchell, entrepreneur, speaker, writer, consultant, uh, wine sommelier. I mean, you name it, man. This guy's doing it. Dave, how you doing today? Fantastic. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show. I got to give a shout out to Mallory Bunt. She's the one that introduced us. I guess you were down here in O'Fallon, Illinois, maybe speaking on the Air Force Base, right? I was. I had. I've done that now. I think four times. It's always okay. an honor. And uh, yeah, I was glad that she was able to put us together. Yeah, she uh, showed up the next day at a kids' soccer game, and she said, "You got to get this guy's book, and you got to get uh, you got to get him on your podcast." And so I connected with you on LinkedIn that night at the kids' game, and uh, and here we are. We'll talk about your two books, but this one right here, "The Power of Understanding People." And you also have the, uh, the power of understanding yourself, which there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about today. So, uh, but again, I, I like on all shows, I like to start uh, with kind of what's made you the man you are today. We both grew up in smaller towns in the central part of Illinois. I was matching Illinois. You're green up Illinois. And what helped you get where you're at today, Dave? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. You know, um, in fact, the book, The Power of Understanding Yourself is about that journey and trying yeah. to figure out uh, how you come to be who you are and are you living um, your best truth. But um, I think uh, one of the things that informs me coming from a rural area uh, in southern Illinois is um, and having been raised by a father that fought with Patton in World War II and survived oh, wow. the Depression. And so uh, I've always felt like my life outcomes were my responsibility and that I needed to take full control over how things turn out. And, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons why I ended up starting my own company and, and why that company has been successful is that um, I, I just feel like anytime something turns out wrong, I look at what did I do to contribute to that and anything that turns out right, I try to figure out what I did to, to uh, make that happen. And honestly, I'll tell you, when things go wrong, you know exactly what you need to do. When things go right, you don't know how much of that's luck. So right. uh, exactly. you know, I always tell people, don't, don't worry about the mistakes. That's where you're going to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, it is true, right? I mean, I think back on my you know 19-year career, and I think I can think back literally to the year and, and really when things happen. And uh, some of the biggest kick in the shorts were the ones where I learned the most, right? That's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, it, it, uh, if we take the time to actually learn the lesson. I don't, that's right. I'm not sure everybody does that. Uh, you're exactly right. That's a kind of slow down to speed up type thing. So 
Uh, born in Greenup, Illinois, you went to Eastern Illinois University. Your uh, your baseball career stopped there. My golf career stopped there, and <laughs> and we got into business, and the rest is history, right? So, uh, exactly. talk to us about you know that that journey though for you. So you you left Eastern, you went to University of Illinois, and got your uh, your master's there. Uh, kind of, how did your professional career progress from there? Right. Well, it wasn't quite as linear as that makes it sound. I actually, um, like so many failed athletes, I thought I would be a sportscaster. And Mm. uh, so my undergraduate degree was in mass communications with a broadcast journalism uh, focus. So I actually worked in television over in Terre Haute, Indiana for a little while before I discovered I didn't really like that. I was good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. So it's kind of the opposite of baseball. I was, I, I like baseball. I just wasn't any good at it. it <laughs> so, um, uh, after kind of bounced around for a little while, I ended up in human resources development, training and development and, and found my, my joy. And that's when I went back, got my graduate degree, um, progressed through the corporate world, to uh, finally executive level, and then eventually started my own company. Yeah. Very good. And so what do you think when you look back on your career, you know, you're talking about, I would call you an expert on how to understand people and understand yourself. I mean, one of the things, um, one of my questions is the, the different styles of people. There, you know, there's introverts, there's extroverts, no matter what, there's people probably on the billionaire list that, have, that are both of those, right? So there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. So what are you learning about people out there that you can share with our listeners today? Well, so uh, one of the I've, so I've written three books and I have a fourth one coming out in spring. And the one topic that's in every book is this internal locus of control, which alludes back to that quality uh, that I think uh, was first instilled in me by my yep. father when I was young. I and I think you're absolutely right, Brett. I think um, as my books illustrate, there's there's lots of different styles of people. There's lots of different styles of leadership and communicating. Uh, they're introverts or extroverts. I, you know, I'm on stage and, and have won awards for public speaking, and yet I'm an introvert. So hmm. there's lots of different ways to skin that cat, right. like you put it. But I think the one thing that all successful people have is that um, belief that they have to take responsibility for things that happen to them in life. There's always things you can point at that you wish had gone better. I wish, I wish I was born to wealthy parents. I wish. Uh, <laughs> I wish I'd have just given up on that career and gone straight right. to Ivy League schools or something, right. but um, the baseball career rather, not That's the right. speaking career. But um, but at the end of the day, the life is yours. It's your life. It's the one you're given, and and no, nobody else and no other um, factors can be blamed for it. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. Uh, can you grow that learning? Do you think, or is that more? Or are you born with that? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a great question, Brett. Uh, I believe that you can. Uh, change your stars, so to speak, but it takes um, something called metacognition. And this may be the thing I'm most thankful for. Um, I grew up and it wasn't, it wasn't a great childhood. My mom was dealing with a lot of problems that she made poor choices uh, for coping mechanisms. So, mm. so the end result of that was I spent a lot of time wandering uh, this rural community out in the woods with my dog, Red, yeah. uh, thinking about stuff a lot. And um, so my mom in her unintentioned way actually gave me a great gift uh, to, to ponder and mm. think about things and, and really consider uh, how I've been shaped and what my choices are. And, and I, think, I think if a person develops the, the ability to think about how they think, which is literally what metacognition yeah. means, 
they can start to evaluate why they behave in ways that may be toxic uh, and, and why they chose to do that and then and change that, right? It's not easy. Um, you know, you're, you're my, I'm 58 years old. For me to change something, I've got to address 58 years worth of experiences. Right. But you can do it. It just takes some discipline and takes some real self-reflection. Yeah. And it's, and it's tough too, right? Because I think no matter what, we're always got different things coming at us in today's crazy world. And, you know, I got four kids and I know a lot of people listen and have kids. And it's when you and I were back playing sports, it's a lot different now than it is back then. And so um, I just, I think those things are hard to deal with. And I, I call it strategic think time. So I put it on my calendar every single week and, and we have to slow down to think. And what do you say? It's, it's think how you think, right? That's the med- right. metacognition. Exactly. That's me in this black journal right over here that I have to slow down and think whether it's my personal life, it's my professional life, it's how do we want to deal with clients differently, but it's very purposeful, right? It's very purposeful yeah. on how we spend time doing that. So is that something yeah. that you recommend to people? Or what, what's your thoughts there? Absolutely. I think, uh, first of all, I think your terminology, strategic think time, sounds a lot more uh, <laughs> uh, professional than my terminology, yeah. which is wander ponders. But but I think the key there and what you say is that you carve out some time to reflect, right? I, yep. think, I think whether it's business, whether it's our personal life, I think, as you point out, we live in a very frenetic time. And I don't imagine, barring some catastrophic change in society, that that's going to get any better. Yeah. We're, we're being barraged by more uh, sensory uh, sources and we have access to information more easily than we've ever had in our life. Yep. And I think a lot of that's really great, but uh, one part that's not great is that we often don't take time to reflect, uh, whether that's feeling gratitude, whether that's uh, just kind of analyzing decisions we've made and how did that go and was that the right thing and and just taking a deep breath. And uh, however you choose to do that, you you sound like a guy that works best if you have a regimented process. I just uh, disappear into the woods for an hour or two. and. That's how I do it. But whatever works for you, it's important that you integrate that into your life. No, and you're right. I mean, I think, you know, we were talking before we started recording about your land and my land, and it it is good to find that thing that you can go do, whether it's getting out in the woods and uh, putting the boots on and riding a four-wheeler or walking with your dog or whatever it may be. I think I've been guilty in the past of it's just grind, 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 grind. And then it's like you wake up and you're like, what what just happened, right? And, And I think you do have to put those little blocks of time, I think purposefully on your calendar. If you're a busy, busy person, you work in in an office environment and you've got meetings and different things going on all day, I think we got to be very purposeful with our time. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. And, and sometimes you can, I'm not, uh, I'm not a great meditator. You know, that was one of the things I always aspired to be that I could never accomplish was, you know, get a meditation tape and and kind of get that mindfulness going. But what I learned, I actually learned this, uh, raising my son. We have two kids and, and it was always easy to talk with my daughter. She'd always give you a full report of her day, but the son <laughs> always answered like in one or two exactly. you know, word responses, unless we were out biking or playing pitch and catch or doing something. And I started to realize, you know, I'm kind of the same way. If my wife asked me how my day was, I usually just said, oh, I was fine. Yeah, uh, but if we're cooking together or we're doing something together, I tend to be, uh, I speak more. So, so for me, and maybe for other people, sometimes doing that mm. monotonous, repetitive activity, like for, in my case, you know, clearing the fields, burning brush, um, it also kind of puts you in the right place to be more reflective and engage in metacognition. 
Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in your book, I know here the one I'm, the one I'm reading right now, The Power of Understanding People, uh, that you can find anywhere, um, you talk about absorb, connect, and apply. So talk to us about that. How do we absorb it? How do we connect it? And how do we apply it? Yeah, this came, this came from, so I started, um, you know, I say I wanted to be a teacher. Unfortunately, we just don't pay them enough. So I had to find a profession that would compensate me at the lifestyle <laughs> I wanted to live. That's right. But I was always fascinated about uh, this notion of transfer of learning. How do you take information from one brain and, and instill it in another brain? And, you know, I, I, I took uh, physics and calculus in high school, but I couldn't do any physics and calculus. So, but I, I passed the courses. I got sure. grades. So that tells me that just being present and listening and absorbing it and understanding it isn't really learning. So there's got to be more. And then I've thought about things like, so I don't golf, um, but I, I don't dislike the game. Sure. I played the game. I see the value of the game. So that to me is a, that's a next level of learning where I've absorbed the game and I connect with it. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's a game. I like games. Yeah. Um, but I just don't do it enough to get better at it, which is the third part, which is you've got to apply. So any skill you're trying to learn, let's take metacognition, for example, you know, I want to be better at thinking about how I think. Well, first you have to understand what that means, which is a fairly simple part of the process. Then you got to say to yourself, I see the value in that. That would make perfect sense. And I could do it at this time. And, I can allot this amount of effort to it. But the third part is you got to do it. And you know, as a former athlete, um, much like Malcolm Gladwell points out in the tipping point, you just got to keep doing things and doing things That's and right. doing things until you really, really become good at it. And metacognition is the same way. It's, it's, it's any type of learning is just that. You have yeah. to absorb it. You have to connect it to your life. And then you have to do it. And it's yeah. the doing part that, it's very hard for other people to instill in you. You have to be inspired to do that yourself. Yeah, I don't. I I 100% on board with that. And and so when you when when I say the circuits of success, you know, my first one is attitude. You know, we wake up every day. We got a choice to make. I can choose to be in a great attitude, and I do believe it's a choice because not every day, you know, with craziness of life, you wake up just you know wanting to sing Kumbaya. You know, he's just it's not human, right, to do that. And so I choose my attitude. I have a belief system that, you know, that I can go to the map for, right? That I believe in these things that I think will make you successful or help our clients or help the community or whatever it may be. But then the third one is action. And that's to your point. That's that apply part, right? If we don't right. take action, you can have the best business plan in the world, the biggest dreams in the world, the best intentions of the world. But if you don't pick up the phone or you don't, you know, go see that person or that client or whatever it may be, nothing's going to happen, Right. right. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And I just want to, since you, you brought up the point, you can choose your, your attitude or your behavior. It's so funny. This is more evidence that Jung was correct when he said there's a collective unconscious out there. I was yeah. just yesterday writing these words in, in the book that will be released in the spring, uh, which will be called The Five Metrics of Peak Performance Culture. Hmm. But very early on in my career, I learned three tenets of human behavior that's really stuck with me. And that is you choose your behavior behavior breeds behavior and good behavior will always be stronger than negative behavior. Oh so, yeah. That's good. You know, when people tell me they work with a bunch of, uh, you know, grouchy people or complaining people, I always say, well, and, you know, look at yourself too, because right. people don't want to be in a bad mood. Uh, but, it, no. but behavior breeds behavior. If you're surrounded by people in a bad mood, yeah, you could be in a bad mood. No, but you're absolutely you right. In a good mood. 
you might be surprised how much you can influence their mood too. Well, it's true. And it was funny you say that because I was saying, I got to go to the DMV. My license expires here in about a month, which is always a fun (laughs) process, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I got to do the eye test and everything. And I've already said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to bring a different energy because everybody's (laughs) kind of pissed off that are in there, aren't they? And it's like, I'm going to see, I'm almost like testing it to see if I can bring a different energy to the DMV. You think that'll work? All right. Be strong, man. There's going to be a lot of behavior trying to breed your behavior. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So when you, when you hear that word attitude is, so obviously you're in line with that, but, and then when we go to belief system, what what is that belief system for Dave Mitchell that you have that, you know, Hey, you know what, if I do this every day, you know, I create this habit. What are those things that get success in your life? Well, um, so I look at belief system maybe a, a little different than the activity. I, I approached um, I approached my personal mission statement like I was facilitating a corporate mission statement. I tried to understand, you know, what what's the success scoreboard? What is it I want from life? And I I boil that down to, you know, relationship stuff, uh, physical, mental, yep. emotional well being, spirituality. I I put fiscal elements in there because I think, you know, we live in a capitalistic society to ignore the, the financial aspect of our success. You know, some people can and God love them. It's still an important part for me. Uh, And then I kind of look at, you know, the environment with which I find myself, which is all the situations that the context that is the world of Dave Mitchell. And I figure out given this environment, in which I live and given this success scoreboard that I want to achieve, what is the core ideology and behaviors that I need to manifest to make that happen? Hmm. And one of the things that, that I found that's, um, that's true about me, uh, and, and probably one of the reasons I was frustrated very often in the corporate world is I require a great deal of independence. Um, I, I, I don't, um, it's my nature to work very hard for something I believe in. And so when I give my loyalty to something, I tend to, to, to be fiercely loyal in, in pursuit yeah. of the outcome that we're trying to get. And you're all in. Yeah. And I found that that combined with my need for independence wasn't necessarily an, a enduring model for success in the corporate world. Exactly. I would, I'd tend to burn out and I'd struggle with resentment and think that, you know, is it really worth it? All this sacrifices I'm making to make yeah. this happen. And all of that, of course, was my fault. But a lot of that was I was not working aligned with my core ideology. I need to find something that, you know, I, I like to make people's lives better. I, I know that I am, I am both emotional and logical, which is a relatively rare combination. So uh, I, I can connect with people, but I can provide them with some uh, nice strategic steps for making change rather than just some of the more broad conceptual, you know, models that you often hear from uh, traditional motivational speakers that just sure. kind of sometimes annoy me. And, uh, and, and I need to have the independence to pursue this like an entrepreneur. So, um, so I, for me, it was just a matter, again, I hate to keep harping back to metacognition, but it, it's the first chapter in the, in the book, The Power of Understanding Yourself. And I, I think you just have to come to grips with here I am, I'm a fully formed adult. So what I am now is, it's not impossible to change, but I need to figure out what I got now before I can even start to think about what things I need to tweak. But let's, let's see what I am today and try to align my life around the person who I am so that I'm applying myself at, at my peak capacity. 
So how, what, wow. what's, the, what's the exercise that you tell people or train people on to do that? Like, I mean, obviously yeah. you can't just read the book and then all of a sudden, hey, I, I, I mean, it takes some work, right? It's reading it and working on it. Yeah, I, I think what I can do for you is I can tell you the, the elements that you need to pursue, but you're right, Brett, a lot of it is you're going to have to figure that out on your own. But so in the book, we do an assessment that uh, determines your interactive style. I like to compare it to different iconic Hollywood movie characters because, mm-hmm. you know, people, people respond well to right. that. But, you know, there's style and sizzle. Your style is what other people notice about you. Your sizzle is your own core values. And core values is a little tougher. I, I provide in the book a, a, a methodology for trying to arrive at your core values, but there's others. I mean, you yep. could Google core values and there'll be a list of things that come out. As a sports fan, um, what I do is I take those core values and do it like it's March Madness, right? I have them play each other in, uh, That's awesome. in double elimination tournaments. <laughs> is this more important to me or is this more important? Yeah. Is this? And, I, and I got down to five That's a great core exercise. Values. Yeah, it is. And, and you get down to five core values that you say, look, at the end of the day, these are the five things that I won't sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting endeavor because you find out there are some things you would sacrifice for something right. else. And, and that's, where, that's where you find out the source of your integrity, right? So, Everybody yeah. likes to use that word integrity, but the reality, is, the reality is at some point in your life, there'll be something and something else that are mutually exclusive and you have to choose which is more important to you. Yep. And what I realized early on in my career was I was choosing my career over my family very often. Uh, and that was counter to my actual core values. And that's what was creating a lot of my internal strife mm. and a lot of my stress was I kept making bad choices yep. um, because of the combination of things, right? I, I wanted to be fiercely loyal, but I was using that, incorrectly i was using that to support an employer instead of my family thinking that i needed the money and the family would always be there uh fortunately they were but i think that was an unfair and certainly misaligned choice i was so what what are those five core values for you well you know i'm gonna do you one better i have in the book is this are we doing video or just audio Uh, both some will be some will be listening some will be able to see it okay so i'll do a shameless plug here uh, no, for, plug away. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you look in the book, I'll just try to give you exact. Is this the one understanding people or understanding yourself? This is power of understanding yourself. Okay. And uh, in the book, there is a chapter. I'm trying to get to the right page here. And while you're looking at that, I think it's, yeah. it's so important to go through this exercise. And I love your double elimination standpoint. I, I did a, a really an exercise where I listed as many words as I could think of. Right. And then I'm a big acronym guy. And so I love the word grit. I just think there's so much behind it, whether that's grit with your, (laughs) your kids, grit at work with your spouse. Um, so minor growth, respect, integrity, and trust. Right. And those are my four and it spells grit. And and so, but that exercise took, you know, a couple hours for me to go through with 50 words and really boil it down to what I think that I connect with. And, and those are the things that are non-negotiable for me, right? Very, I love that you made it. I love that you made it an acronym too. That's fantastic. So in the book, the page is forty-two and forty-three. For those that actually can see, there's a okay, list yep. here of all the values that I come up with. And so I wasn't kidding about the tournament. I actually I didn't do <laughs> eight. I did a final ten just because it worked yeah. out better. 
But you take that big list, you get it down to 10, then you get it down to five. And then you define that five. So for me, yep. mine were family. It, it's not a good acronym. That would have been a great approach. <laughs> My acronym would be uh, FITFA. So family happiness, economic security, teaching, freedom, and helping uh -huh. others are my five. But then I encourage people to define what those words mean to you because what I've found, like teaching or freedom, that can mean slightly different things. To Absolutely. Different. So then you define those words and then you eventually end up with, so my personal core ideology or mission statement becomes to, to contribute to a loving, happy, and secure family while maintaining my freedom economically and philosophically to facilitate knowledge and transfer of learning for the purposes of being positive and joyful influence on others. Mm. So there that's you powerful. Go. Yeah. So page 46. In okay. The book. Yeah. The and that allows is, you to get up every day and, and do that, right? Cause you're, you're built your world and your personal life, your professional life. And, and I don't believe that they're, if you're watching that they're like, like this, right. That they're running side by side. They're, they're intermingled. Right. And, and so, right. cause if you have a bad day, you and your spouse get into a little tiff in the morning it's going to affect your work day, right? Of course it is. You have a bad day at work, you're going to come home and it's going to affect your family. And so many people want this work-life balance. There was a gentleman on the show that was a you know, professor at Princeton and, and stuff, and he talked about work-life integration. And uh, that's what it comes down to. So to your point, that's, that's what you're building your life around, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I'd like to say that every day I get up and read that for your suggestion. That would be fantastic. I find myself, I kind of move along for a while in a great space yep. all of a sudden I feel like I'm just I'm a little off I'm a little clunky then that's when I have to go back and read it because usually the reason I feel that way can be explained by reading my core yeah. ideology another application I find which may be more specific to the worlds that we live in but sometimes you'll find yourself with an opportunity and you're just not sure about it it's different than what you normally yep. do um maybe there's this gnawing feeling like eh, just not excited about it. And what I do is I'll read my core ideology and ask myself, does this opportunity fit into that core ideology? And oftentimes if I'm feeling a little sketchy about it, it's because it doesn't. Right. Um, and so that's another aspect of core ideology, I think is it provides you that integrity, that, that stake in the ground for your integrity. Uh, because really, to me, what integrity means is that you're true to yourself and you're consistent yep. in that truth. That's right. That's what integrity is. I 100% agree. I even, I even take it that one step for, for me personally, it's, it's doing what you say you're going to do, right? I mean, it's everything you just said. Plus, if Dave Mitchell tells me he's going to do something, we don't know each other, right? It, but I, 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 would, I would assume, having a conversation like this already, I can 100% trust the fact that Dave Mitchell is going to get it done, and that's integrity. Yes. Yeah. And they wouldn't have me back at Scott Air Force Base four times. If that That's correct. Nice. They would not. They're all about integrity out there. We're lucky to have them in our, uh, in our, in our community. Yes. It's amazing. A lot of great people. So it's always about sad. About every three years, though, you lose, you lose a good friend that moves to Germany or something like that because they leave us. Right. The kids in my school, they're all bummed out. Their buddies leaving. And so it's, it's, uh, it's sad. But we won't trade right. them, though. We love them. We love having them here. You got to make friends with the the civil uh, exactly civil contributors exactly. over there. Yeah. <laughs> the Stick civilians. around a little longer. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. So when you, when you look back to your EIU days and, and you know, I'm, I'm picturing right now in my mind walking around old Maine and, and maybe I was walking to Ike's, maybe I was walking to Marty's. I don't know. <laughs> Marty's, yeah. Marty's, sure. you know, uh, <laughs> but you're walking, you know, across old Maine, beautiful campus. And we were in an Ivy league school, really. I mean, there's Ivy all over old Maine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I that, mean, that's probably the only resemblance. To right. Ivy <laughs> but, but it's basically an Ivy school. That's what we'll say. But anyway, uh, great, great place. But when you look back at those days and then fast forward, I think you said, what, you're 58 now. What did you think back then? Like, where did you think life would be at 58, which back then we thought was a long, long way away, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I was forward thinking enough to uh, imagine myself at 58. I, yeah. I'm still trying to get my head around the fact with social media now, I'm friends with a lot of my high school teachers. And what I realized is they were only about six years old. Exactly. Then. They're basically yes. our age, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought, I thought they were old people back then yeah. and they were just in their late twenties. Right? Yep. So I can't imagine what young me would think of old me now. Yes. Other than yeah. The incredible uh, resemblance to my father. That's right. Age. That's right. Um, I think, but, but I think, um, I think if you could, if you could for a moment uh, violate some of the, some of the rules of quantum physics and, and be in two places. Actually, I think quantum physics would allow you to be in two places at one hmm. time. I think the biggest surprise for me is uh, how much the, the journey made sense after all. I, I, think, I think when you're younger, everything seems to be kind of uh, just a collection of experiences that right. bear no, no um, association or relationship to each other. You know, I always say our, our life story makes perfect sense, but only in hindsight. Yeah. Um, yeah that's so and, true. Uh, and so I think, I, I think, I think I'd be surprised. And the one thing I will tell you is, so in high school, small school, not far from Mattoon. In fact, we went to Mattoon for culture. Um, <laughs> the big city. Yeah, that was yeah. the big city. You had a, you had a movie theater right, and a Chinese right, a restaurant. Right. Yeah. In <laughs> a mall, I could pick yeah. up a, an album. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I didn't take, school came easy for me and I didn't take it that seriously. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I, my uh, lifestyle was pretty loose and easy and I could move between different social groups very uh, comfortably. When I got to college, um, you know, I, and I turned down an academic scholarship at the University of Illinois to go to Eastern Illinois University hmm. thinking I might have a shot. And, uh, and uh, I, I took that seriously. I, I took the classes yeah. seriously. I, I, I graduated magna cum laude. I, uh, so if I could sh show up in my life at 18, I would commend myself for figuring that out and not, not screwing up college, which yeah. I think is an easy thing for a lot of kids yeah. to do. Especially in old Coleman Hall, right? That's where you were going. Coleman Hall. Yeah. Communications department. Yeah. yeah. I was the, uh, I was the station manager of the campus radio station. Oh, were so, you? Yeah, yeah. Is that back I, in the, uh, <laughs> no, I think he, trying to think how old he is, but old Larry Smith, you remember Larry Smith? Was he there then? I don't think he might be between you and I from an age standpoint, but he was from Mattoon and he was an EIU guy that did the WEIU type stuff. But he's gone oh, on okay. to, you know, CNN and Washington, D.C., did some stuff and he's had a oh, wow. career in broadcasting. WEIU was just finishing being built when I left. Okay. So it, it, okay. Was w, it was W-E-L-H, East oh, Lincoln okay. Hall. 
Ah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> so um, talk to us about the EQ versus IQ, right? IQ is how much information, how much data can we process in a, in a basically a second per second, right? Or per minute, however they look at it. And that EQ, I think, is critically important right now in today's world, that emotional intelligence. Talk to us yeah. about that. Yeah, I got to say, I was, I was probably one of my biggest surprises in my career coming from a small community I always thought everybody else must have something more than I've had to yep. achieve what they've achieved. And, and as I, as I experienced more and more of the corporate world and now for the last 25 years, I've traveled all around the world dealing with leaders and different corporations and different cultures. I, I realized that, um, that intelligence is great. Um, I think I'd, I'd rather have it than not have it, but, um, I know a lot of smart people that are just really clunky. So hmm. this whole notion, I wish I'd have thought of the EQ idea. It's a great right. marketing tool. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, I have to trust the people that work with this every day that they've got the holy elixir down, but there's definitely a set of skills that some people have, whether it's uh, they just understand people's behavior better or they just have uh, more control over their own emotional reactions or or what it, whatever it is that EQ makes reference to that's a thing it's a real right. thing and uh it, it I guess if you it's like anything else it's it must be what Michael Jordan gets frustrated at when he watches people play basketball it's like right. why can't you like, just why can't do you be this? as good as me yeah um if you if you have it I think you're puzzled by people that don't I mean it's like why would you do that you're just you're making things worse um, but I guess if you don't have it, you just, you don't realize that yeah. you're making those mistakes. And, um, and I, I don't know if that's, I mean, IQ to a certain degree is, is an, it's an inherent attribute. It's, it's, it's difficult to meaningfully increase your IQ at some point. I think, I don't yeah. know if EQ works the same way. Yeah. Uh, I hope not because you know, the, that would, that's a real opportunity for some people to develop a set of skills that would take their career much higher if they could just learn to be more effective with human beings. Well, I think it's what the way I look at it too is when we talked about earlier, you're, you know, the part of absorb, connect, apply, your apply part, my action part, same thing, right? Just different mm -hmm. words. So many people I have found and, you know, being a leader for many years uh, and running a, a, an organization for the last, whatever, 13 years, um, there, there are people that come in that are really, really, really smart, but if they don't have that EQ part, they, they, they're missing something, right? They miss about the taking action. We, we feel what is it? Paralysis by analysis, right? We gotta, we think we gotta know everything before we go do something. And the most successful people, sometimes you kind of figure it out on the fly, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Well, I've had to do everything that way for 25 years exactly. as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I've made so. a living doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if that's the best model, but it's the one yeah. that I've used. Um, but it's made you yeah, successful, I, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it works for me. It works yeah, for me. Yeah. But that's the question I guess everybody has to ask themselves, right? right? I do notice that um, uh, some, some very self-aware <clears throat> executives that maybe don't possess a lot of emotional intelligence often surround themselves with another yeah. uh, direct report that has a better acuity for that. And so, you know, maybe the answer is it, 
you're self-aware and you realize these are my strengths and this is my vulnerability and I can either figure out if I can get better at that or I go find someone else who has that strength and that's right. And they help balance. That's right. Um, question I ask on every show, Dave is fears. We all put fears in our minds. I think to some extreme, some are, some are more than others uh, as far as putting them in our minds, but how many of the fears you put in your mind have actually blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? No, none. None. Uh, and and my, my very first book was called Live and Learn or Die Stupid. And that was, <laughs> I wrote that after my father passed away. And it was really meant just to kind of chronicle all these things that I, uh, that go through my head that I think are, are both evidence yeah. of where you can be hamstrung as well as where you where you can free yourself from your own self-made shackles. And, and one for me, I called it the demon committee meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's, it's not completely gone. They still sometimes convene. It's always at 3 a.m. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, it's, just, it's just this moment where you're kind of consumed by all of these possibilities of failure and, you know, your flaws finally bringing you down and all these things. and, and um, it, it just never happens that way. I mean, right. knock on wood, I don't want to tempt anything. There have been right. people experience catastrophic loss and yeah. things, but generally speaking, um, I, I prefer to act out of faith than out of fear. Yeah. Um, and that's one of my favorite sayings. And it was told to me early on when I started my business and was still doing a lot of, Oh my God, what have I done? What if, what if how yeah. stupid of me to walk away from an executive career and do this. and and um, a very good friend of mine at the time said, uh, Dave, you need to act out of faith, not out of fear. And I that's thought, right. wow, that's, that's it. That's, that's fantastic. That's a perfect one. That's a perfect one. Yeah. I had a guy tell me yeah, one time, I think I was, I don't know, maybe 35. And he said, you know, Brett, if you had a long track record of a company at 35 years of success, would you buy stock in that company? I said, well, yeah, I mean, put my compliance hat on here. There's a lot of things I would look at, right? But point being in the story is, yeah, you, you want to buy a long track record of history of success. And if I look at Dave's 58 years, have there been failures along the way? Sure, right? We've all had oh, yeah. failures. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of success in Dave's past that Dave needs to be able to have faith in and not fear and know you would buy that stock every single day of the week. Right. Right. And right. for me, that was, a, that was a big aha moment of like, Gosh, yeah. When when do you just trust yourself and break through and know that fear is probably not going to come out? And I love your what you call it the the devil committee meeting or something like that. Demon committee meeting. Demon yeah. committee meeting. I mean, yeah, yeah, they do. They they get together sometimes, and it's not fun. I don't like that meeting, but uh, it is uh, for me. This podcast has been a big help to have people like Dave Mitchell on here say, you know what, never. Like literally, what you were doing before I even finished the question, you're already shaking your head no. And that's what 99% of the people do. It's like, it never comes true. Right. right. No. But even if it does, our, our, our output to what happens is better than what we thought anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what now, the um, thing that gets you is it, the one you're not looking for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The one that blindsides you and you don't that's know. Right. It, right? That's like um, the old Woody Allen line, right? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he will definitely laugh at that. Uh, so the author of three books, soon to be four books, uh, where can we find more of Dave Mitchell and more of those books? Well, you can learn more about me at uh, theleadershipdifference.com. That's the name of my company, The Leadership okay. Difference. 
Uh, so the three books that are on the market now, Laugh, uh, Laugh and Learn or Die Stupid, Live and Learn or Die Stupid. I should know the titles of my own books. <laughs> Live and Learn or Die right. Stupid. Uh, the Power of Understanding People and The Power of Understanding Yourself are all available through Amazon. They're all still um, current and available. Awesome. Uh, the new book, uh, the working title is The Five Metrics of Peak Performance Cultures, and that should be out in the spring of 2020. The manuscript is due on December 15th, which means... You got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a sign behind me right over this. Yeah. It says, uh, uh, it's a, it's a uh, uh, Hemingway quote, and it says, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah. yeah I, do I, got, that, right? I got a lot of editing to do, so I won't be doing <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I love it, Dave. It's, uh, it's been awesome having a fellow EIU grad. I love, I don't know about you, man, but I love our, uh, our stomping grounds, where we came from and uh, what, what it helped define and shape our, our futures and from where Absolutely. we grew up to where we went to college, and uh, we're very lucky. So yes. thanks so much for being on. The Circuit of Success is great having you. My pleasure, Brad. Thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.